0: Thank you, Pippa. Well, look at all your lovely faces. Can't see the faces of you looking online, sad to say, but um, you're very welcome. And I suspect we've got people in the little chapel. Welcome to you as well. My name's Suzanne and um, I'm one of the chaplains here. And it's uh, lovely to uh, spend this time with you this morning in worship. Last week, I was uh, away on retreat for a little while. Not here, but um, um, somewhere up uh, south of the river, London Way. And it was a very quiet house. It was a lovely house of prayer, actually. And um, when I arrived in my bedroom, these were the words on a little card waiting on the bed for me. Come, now. Turn aside for a while from your ordinary employment. Put aside your worldly cares. Let your distractions wait. Free yourself for a while for God and rest in him. Enter the room of your soul. Shut out everything except God, and that which can help you in seeking him. And when you have shut the door, seek him. Now my whole heart say to God, I seek your face. Show me your face. At which point I panicked, because I suddenly thought, I don't know where the room of my soul is. (laughs) (laughs) Enter the room of your soul. Shut out everything except God. And that which can help you in seeking him. And when you shut the door, seek him. Now my whole heart say to God, I seek your face. Show me your face. And that's what we've come to do this morning, isn't it? To seek his face, to allow space that we might see it. A lovely way to start the retreat, a lovely way to start our worship. So while we sing our first song... invite you to find the door of your soul and go in and shut the door. We're going to sing. Jesus, be the centre, be my source, be my light, Jesus. Thank you. Feel free to sing, please just keep your masks on. So let's pray. Lord thank you for the invitation to enter in to that intimate place with you in the room of our soul. And Lord, it's not a place where we have to sit and wait for you. In fact, it's more likely to be a place where you sit and wait for us. And as we come into that place now, Lord, where we focus on you and you focus on us, Lord, would you help us to lay aside all those things that distract, all those things that push in, all the things that weigh heavy, not because they're unimportant, but because you are Lord. You are the center. You're the reason we live. You're the fire, the passion in our heart, the wind in our sails. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I chose that song um, particularly because of the line, Be the wind in our sails, because that, that suggests something of not only direction, um, but steering, you know, if the, if the wind changes direction, then, um, then the sails have to change, don't they? If you're going to keep the same course, or if you just let the, the wind have its way in the sails, then, um, well, you could end up anywhere, I suppose, couldn't you? But also because it is such a centering song to begin our worship. We're going to be thinking about guidance this morning, about seeking guidance... Um, because it's one of the lectionary readings for today, and I'm just going to take a couple of verses and think about that. And as I began to think about guidance, I couldn't help but remember a little adventure I had um, a few weeks ago now with uh, uh, my friend Sally, and um, I was visiting my brother for the first time in his new place, and I'd not been there before, and uh, I'd You know, done what you do, looked it up, looked what the directions were and so on. And I had Sally to help me. And um, she did a good job. She got me all the way to the edge of um, the the kind of the big development where he's living. She was confident and I trusted her and I followed the instructions until we got there to the, the kind of the estate. And suddenly... All she kept saying was, turn left, please turn left, please turn left, turn left, turn left, and I just went in circles. Satnav Sally, it turns out, wasn't quite as reliable as I thought. So in the end, <laughs> I rang my brother and said, I don't know where I am. <laughs> <laughs> he said, what can you see? And he said, oh, I don't know where you are either. <laughs> keep driving and keep talking until you, recog- until you see something that I recognise, then I'll know where you are. And then he guided me in, and it was fine. I don't know why Satnav Sally didn't know the end, of the end bit of the journey, but she didn't. She got me to the general area, but she couldn't get me to the specific location. Sometimes I think the Bible's a bit like that, isn't it? Have you noticed that? You know, it gets us to the general area, but it doesn't help us make that absolute, do I turn left here or do I turn right? And I was staying um, here last night, and um, of course in my room, Gideon Bible. And I thought, oh, Gideon Bibles, they've got those um, lists, haven't they, at the, um, at the front of what to do, What to look up, and I looked up, and needing guidance. Well, I was quite reassured that the first reference was actually the, the reading that we're going to use this morning. That's quite helpful, isn't it? And then it had these other verses, which won't be on the screen. I'm just going to read them quickly. It had Psalm 32, verses 8 to 10. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Do not be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come to you. And I thought, hmm, okay, well, it's, it's good to know that God's gonna instruct us and help us, that's good. And then I turned to the next one, which was uh, Romans 12one one to two, verse two really. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. Good. Okay. And the last one was James, chapter 1, verses 5 to 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. So I thought, wow, if I was facing an enormous decision right now, would those verses help me? Well, they would and they wouldn't. So I came back to that question. What is guidance all about? How do we get specific guidance from God when we really need it? I'm going to leave you thinking about that question while we sing again, All My Days. All my days I will sing this song of gladness, give my praise to the fountain of delights, for in my helplessness, When I'm in that place of not knowing what to do, where to go, you heard my cry and waves of mercy pour down on my life. So let's sing as you ponder God's guidance. stay in that place of worship for a moment as we ponder that line you're the way the truth and the life Lord, thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you for all those other verses, Lord, that um, speak of the way that you guide and instruct and teach. And teach us now, Lord, as we look more specifically at how we might know your guidance in particular situations. Thank you, Lord. Amen. I bet there have been times when you've longed for the writing on the wall. Anybody not longed for the writing on the wall? for that specific verse that says, this is what you should do next. Written in the heavens, but don't mind. You know, anything that just says what we should do. I think seeking his guidance is perhaps one of the really hard disciplines of the Christian life. We get so convoluted with it, don't we? We want to get it right. We want to follow God's way for our lives. We worry about getting it wrong. And I don't know about you, but then I think, well, what level of guidance should I be putting before the Lord? Should I be asking him what I should have for breakfast or just the really big decisions of the day? And by the time we've worked through that that lot, we're exhausted. Actually, guidance isn't a word that we see a lot in the Bible. It's used a few times in the Old Testament and mostly in Proverbs. You won't be surprised to find that. And I was very interested to discover that the word used for guidance, the Hebrew word, actually means wise counsel. But it comes from a word that um, relates to the ropes that we use to steer a ship. Interesting, isn't it? It's about direction and about steering. So actually that song that we sang at the beginning, Be the Wind in Our Sails, was actually, in that sense, spot on. So guidance in the Hebrew sense was related to the concept of steering. And when we want guidance from God, we're looking for his steering, aren't we? What course should I study? What university should I go to? should i marry this person or not what school should i send my children to what church should i belong to where should i live is this the right career choice is this the right house some of the big decisions of life and when we're we're looking at these big decisions we um perhaps share the decisions with other you know the 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 dilemma with other people and somewhere Somewhere along the line, somebody is going to quote to you Jeremiah 29, verse 11, aren't they? They are. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Lovely. And you're thinking, yes, I know God has a plan for me. I just don't know what it is. I don't know what to do. So let's look at the reading. And the reading is uh, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. And maybe we'll be able to dig a little bit deeper into how we find God's guidance. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will make your paths straight. I've lost a page. There it is. These verses don't just relate to situations where we have a decision to make. I think they relate to the storms and the dilemmas and the troubles of life as well, when we don't understand what is going on. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Our starting place is trust. That's fragile, isn't it? The dictionary says that trust is the feeling that somebody or something can be relied upon or will turn out to be good, even if it cannot be proved. Trusting in God is all of that and more. We have to build trust, don't we? We don't just develop trust in God overnight. We have to build it. And trusting in God with all of our heart, as the verse says, actually means more than just the heart. If you look at the word used for that it means the inner man, the mind and the will. This is not a pink and fluffy feeling about trust. This is trust we gain in a mindful, deliberate, disciplined even way. Not something that perhaps we're very used to doing. We have to apply it Lean not on your own understanding. It means don't support yourself. (laughs) Don't support yourself. Don't rest on your own considerations. Doesn't say ignore them, just don't lean on them. Don't lean on your own truth, your own wisdom, not solely. Most of us probably wouldn't do that. We'd um, talk it through with others, wouldn't we? We might ignore their comments if they don't line up with what we're thinking. We might seek out others until we hear what we want to hear. But that's not really guidance, is it? That's just confirming our own kind of bias, if you like. Not a healthy way to make a decision. God's view is so much wider than ours, isn't it? So much wider because he can can see the options we're facing. He can see the consequences of taking all of those options. He knows the best outcome. We can't see what's going to happen later on today, let alone the consequences of decisions that will reach far into our futures. Try as we might, we can't work it all out. And the other thing, of course, although we might not want to admit it, is that our own understanding and our own truth might be flawed. What this verse is not saying, interestingly, is don't abdicate all responsibility to God. Don't abdicate it all. He expects us to work through the decisions, the options, the possibilities, as far as our limitations and our own wisdom and truth can take us. God gave us that ability. If you go back to the Garden of Eden, back to um, um, Adam and Eve, right back in the beginning, God told them that they could eat what they liked apart from one thing. He told them to name the animals and care for them. He gave them responsibility, and with responsibility comes decision-making. And he expected them, to make the decisions, to use their wisdom and their judgment. But the verse says, don't rely on our own understandings, on our own judgments. So we come to the heart of the matter. How do we do it then? How do we do it? And actually, I was quite surprised to discover that verse 6 is not a separate statement. It's actually a continuation of the same sentence that we started with. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. In all your ways. That covers just about everything. It covers our actions, our conduct, our paths, our roads, our journeys, our decisions, our choices, which is far, far deeper than... Lord, this is my plan. Please, will you bless it? Which is where we often default to, isn't it? It's everything of life. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Our translation doesn't do this justice, this bit. It would be better to say, in all your ways, know him. Know him. And that knowing is a deep, intimate knowing. It's the same word back in the early days of Genesis where um, God said, you know, if you you don't eat the right things, you will be like God and you'll know good and evil. And then that lovely verse when Adam knew Eve. That intimate relationship, that place of intimacy. It's the same word. So in all your ways, know God. This is deep heart, soul, mind, connection. We don't conjure that in a moment, do we? That's a lifetime's work. To acknowledge him in all of our ways but in that place of deep connection, in that room of our soul where we've shut the door, we do learn how to discern God's heart and his mind so that in a funny sort of way, we pick up his thoughts and plans and purposes for us and then produce them as if they were our own good idea and say to God, is this what I should be doing? Have I got this sorted? No. (laughs) Have I got this worked out? No. I feel like I'm only a beginner. I have got an experience of um, knowing this sort of dilemma. In my previous job, um, I was asked, if I would consider a different role from the one that I was doing, that would be a very significant role to take on. And my instant kind of, I'm not sure about that, but I promised that I would um, consider it, ponder it. And I could give you a long argument as to why I should do it. And I could give you an equally long argument as to why I shouldn't do it. So I went away for a weekend um, that was designed to help you make big decisions. And I learned a lot, but it didn't solve my dilemma. And I went away uh, to another retreat place and... Um, the room I was given was called the Prophet's Chamber. <laughs> I, thought that was a, I thought that was a good start <laughs> to finding, um, finding my way on this. And I sat with God under a tree. What am I supposed to do, Lord? What do you want me to do? And, you know, I think he said, do you want to do it? Oh, I hadn't really considered that. Well, no, actually, I don't think I do. Well, there you are then, he said. But what if I did want to do it? Well, that would be different, he said. Oh. Okay. Well, I don't really want to do it. So I'll say no. and I had peace from that moment on. Sometimes we have to use a lovely phrase, let peace be your umpire. Let peace be your umpire. So it's not about saying to God, do I do this or do I do this? It's about sitting with it before God, coming to a place of decision before him, and then waiting. And the peace that I got was immense, and I knew it was the right decision. Had I not got to that place of peace, but been left in a place of complete unsettledness, then I would need to go back and revisit. And that's something that I've learnt to do several times over. I have the picture up, thanks, Esther. The Archbishop of Canterbury put on um, Facebook this week, praying is sitting before God and allowing him to shape who we are. Prayer is sitting before God and allowing him to shape who we are. doesn't have to be full of words does it prayer and I'm going to end with this thought you can leave that up actually Esther if you like thank you I'm going to uh, to leave you with this thought I was having a conversation with my mum and dad this week and um, um, in the middle of the conversation um, I was like FaceTiming so I could see them and um, one of them said to the other, what was that word that we were going to ask Suzanne if she knew what it meant? And there was this little conversation between them and eventually they worked out that it was algorithm. Because of course it was the day that the A-level results came out and there was lots of stuff on the news about, um, um, that, that no algorithm was u- used this year. And uh, they said, so what's an algorithm? And I said, well, it's, um, it's a bit like a flow chart. Oh, do you know what flowchart is? Well, so I said, well, it's, it's really, it's a decision-making um, thing for you. So if you had a decision, if you had a, um, a situation where you needed to make a decision at the end of it, and the only thing I could think of um, to explain it to them with my nursing background was if you have a pressure sore, <laughs> So forgive the example. If you have a pressure saw, and it might the first thing might be um, is the pressure saw shallow or deep? It's deep. Okay. Is the pressure saw um, infected or not infected? It's infected. Okay. And then we get into really distressing details, which I won't go into. Is it this colour or is it this colour? It's this colour. Okay then these are the things that you could consider using. So, it's a, it's a decision-making process. Why don't we find algorithms in the Bible? Be useful, wouldn't it? But it wouldn't, because then, at the end of my explanation, my mum said, well, that's all very well, but it doesn't leave much room for judgment, does it? No. It doesn't. And in fact, I think that's precisely the point. God wants us to learn, to make decisions and judgments, to seek his guidance in our soul room with him. That is not just the end of an algorithm predetermined but it helps us, as part of the process, to come closer to him. That's so quite a lot to ponder, isn't it? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So if you're facing a particular challenge, dilemma, situation, hold it before the Lord as we sing this song. So let's pray. Father, as we think about guidance, seeking your guidance, seeking your way. Lord, it is true that there are times when you give us the choice. There isn't just a right way and a wrong way. You give us options and and say, you choose. It's up to you. And very clearly there are other times, Lord, when you have a plan and a purpose for us and You want to help us discern those steps. And thank you for revealing, Lord, that through scripture, that um, we can learn to do that in the intimate place with you. As our trust grows, as our love and our faith in you grow, our belief grows. And yet, Lord, you still want us to exercise judgment and wisdom and discernment. And Lord, when we think about the decisions that we face, we can't help but think of the the, um, enormous decisions that are faced by governments across the world. In places of war and conflict. In places of disaster, where huge bodies of people are on the move, about the big decisions about climate change, so much, Lord, issues of justice, issues of fairness. Father, I pray that um, the Prince of Peace would be there influencing those decisions that are made. Even if he's not acknowledged, Lord, not known, not recognized, that nevertheless he will influence decisions. And we pray, Lord, for uh, your ambassadors of peace, people who sit on these governments and in these um, influential committees, that they too would speak of your peace and your discernment, your righteousness, that good and wise decisions would be made. And for our own decisions, Lord, that face us right now, We do ask for your wise counsel, for that sharing of the steering of the ropes, and that you would draw us into the intimate place where we grow to know your heart for us. Thank you for the trust that you place in us to use our judgment, to use our wisdom, and the judgment to to know not to rely solely on it, but to include you. And Father, we turn to, to our intercession list. for the names on it, Ron and Margaret, Janice, Sue, Eunice, Ruth, Philip, Valerie, and Julia. Maybe you have names that you want to, uh, to lay before the Lord. If you want to speak them out, you can do that. And online, if you've got names you want us to put on our intercessions list, then um, do send them in. Thank you, Lord, that all these people are known to you, their situations, their need of you, their need of healing, perhaps their need of the way ahead, decisions, challenges that they face. And Lord, I pray that you would touch each one, each one named on the list, each one we've named before you. And us too, Lord, that we too be included that we might know your presence and know your healing more and more. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. final song guide me O thou great Jehovah couldn't be anything else could it pilgrim through this barren land I am weak but thou art mighty and the next verse let the fiery cloudy pillar we haven't mentioned that lead me all my journey through and the prayer that you would recognize your own fiery, cloudy pillars, whatever they are for you. Esther, thank you. As you seek your fiery, cloudy pillars, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for coming today. God bless you.